0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Well, happy Halloween and welcome to a very special Sunday edition of Central. Uh, this is uses our Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm your host a bit later in the week this week, Ross McLeod. That's my dishwasher, letting me know my dishes are done. But this is cool. <laughs> you can find a massive back catalogue of news, interviews, previews and reviews on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites. And of course, get involved in the conversation at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You name it, we're on it. And of course, the Sleep Suplex Retreat uh, community. Um, it's a Sunday Central, but we're recording on a Saturday because I have nothing else to do today. And isn't that a little sad? So this is the <laughs> second podcast I've done with this man. And no, it's not David Hockney, because even sadder, he was the one that had plans. I'm joined by Scott McLeod.
0: Uh, I just hate how you always assume that I'm always available and I never have plans. Yeah, I didn't, but... You like you to assume.
1: <laughs> well, you're here now and we'll get backstage brawls, new sign-ins, people being released, an entire company looking like it's going under, and just the three pay-per-views to cover. Uh, and we'll start with the first one, which happened last Thursday in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, uh, WWE's crown jewel, uh, WWE's controversial relationship with the Saudi Arabian government to put these shows on. Uh, they've never been a highlight however this one was actually really really good, just going to read through the matches uh, 10 matches on the card pre-show, the Usos defeated the Hurt Business in an on-title match uh, Edge defeats Seth Rollins to end their feud in a Hell in a Cell match uh, Mansoor won his <laughs> obligatory Saudi Arabia match against Mustafa Ali uh, RK Bro defended the tag titles against AJ Styles and Omos Zelina Vega defeated Dewdrop to become the first ever Queen's Crown tournament winner uh, Goldberg ended his feud with Bobby Lashley with a no-hold barred Falls Count Anywhere match Xavier Woods uh, achieved his childhood dream defeating Finn Balor in the King of the Ring tournament final. Uh, Big E defeated Drew McIntyre via pinfall to retain the WWE Championship. Becky Lynch, Ross Becky Lynch defeated Ross Bianca Belair and SmackDown Sasha Bank uh, in a triple threat match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship and Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman defended his title against Brock Lesnar. So, we're not going to go into detail about all the matches there because it's just it's far too much time, but um, Edge, Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell, I thought was sensational. Um, the perfect end to their feud, and I'm hoping to God WWE doesn't do what they always do when they end a feud, which is all of a sudden they just throw a random match between two men on Raw a couple of weeks, yeah, a couple of weeks later. I'm hoping that Edge and Seth Rollins stay apart now for the rest of Edge's career. However
0: short or long that may be, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give too many thoughts on uh, a Crown Joe because, uh, well, I haven't watched it. But you know, I'm a wrestling fan talking on the internet, so I'll happily give my opinions on something I haven't seen. Uh, like I'm going to watch it eventually, and it's weird. Like this is one of the few stage shows that has no, hasn't had that much controversy in terms of when the results like all part time were winning because everybody knew Goldberg was going to, you know, win his match. Uh, you know, the, everybody got back. In time for SmackDown the next night, so you know it was weird. It was just a solid show in a questionable country, but you know I do like that the Hell in a Cell this time around, even though it was October and again it's been built out. It's been used for a feud that like actually could do with the Hell in a Cell It's the big blow-off. And uh, it's weird with Edge kind of coming out on top, which you kind of had to. You know once you break into a man's house, you know you got to kind of let him win the feud. Uh, Seth has weirdly bounced back quicker, with now becoming number one contender for the WWE Championship and. Edge is now not, it's not on TV as, uh you know, he's got this kind of part-time schedule, so maybe we'll be back close to the Rumble. It is, it is weird where Rollins has found himself, uh, kind of, that's not his thing now with Big E, I alligated like with, with Drew, he's now the, oh, new person's won the title, your first feud, Seth Rollins.
1: <laughs> um... Yeah, it very much does seem that way. I agree with you. Once somebody breaks into your house, you can no longer lose the feud. I think it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, And he
0: drank orange juice straight from the carton, the dirty man. We're still in a pandemic, Seth. You you don't even wear a mask.
1: Shoes on the couch and everything, honestly. Anyway, um, the Queen's Crown Tournament, um, it was meant to allow the the non-horsewoman Women, uh, to be able to show what they could do, be able to um, be able to break out and hopefully, you know, have a career-defining performance. Um, none of the matches went over three minutes in the first two rounds, and the final was under six minutes—five minutes fifty-one seconds. Uh, Zelina Vega defeating dewdrop in the final by pinfall. Um, I know you haven't seen the pay per view of the match, but what was your thoughts on Zelina Vega as the winner and dude uh, and um, not do drop, So the entire tournament as a whole.
0: Well, I think I stopped giving a shit when Liv Morgan got out in the first round because draft wise I was fucked. Uh, but other than that, I thought well at least Zelina Vega will get a strong one, but then she didn't, so I kinda had to question what the hell was going on with the way they put it together. And while the match has been very short, obviously as a kind of good. For you know the women and everything and feel who are fans of women's wrestling, I do agree with some people's sentiment in that this is less about how they feel about women and more like how they feel like they always had to put on some big tournament for Saudi Arabia and this year they had to put two on. Seemingly, so it's just a case of I'll just get to the tournament just so that the finals are on Saudi Arabia because we have only got a few weeks left till the show. Uh, but yeah, again, yeah, it does like straight. Like, like how weird this was put together and like it just goes to like how weird Debbie's booking can be outside of the four horse when it comes to the women because uh, I don't think anyone would have guessed Selena Vega would have won it I mean it's good, it's good for her you know maybe it's Debbie's way of apology for the way that you know her, she was originally let go and everything but when on the other side well, the, the semi-final on the other side you had Shayna Baszler who everyone wanted to win to so get back to how she was or you know potentially create the next big you know monster on Raw with dewdrop you know as a powerhouse and after you had her do the whole breakout and squash even Marie then like they seem like they could both use it more than Selena because uh, I don't really see Selena doing much with this gimmick.
1: I disagree see her coronation ceremony she was a uh, shades of shades of Booker T where the the fake English accent comes on but then when Mike Rome disrespected her entrance she went straight back to her original one like do it and do it properly do it like i told you to do it you do know, it the I, way i want
0: it to be
1: done <laughs> do it the way he wants it to be done um so i think i think there's legs with selena vega here i always like a a a heel like king or queen of the ring um we didn't get that on the men's side however uh, xavier woods I understand he was the... um, You know, it's it's been his dream to win King of the Ring, and I understand he's, you know, very over on the company and, you know, very creative guy and very much loved backstage, but I just... Nothing inside me says Xavier Wood should be beating Finn Balor on a pay-per-view, even if it is, you know, a, a King of the Ring, and especially not in under 10 minutes. I just... I think there would have been more of a story to tell if Finn Balor won it and you know went on maybe a heel run and Xavier Woods maybe went a downward spiral he comes back the next year and he wins it then you know, I, because everyone's like oh it was a feel good moment, the crowd didn't care the crowd didn't care the crowd were shouting for Finn Balor hmm
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I figured they they be behind Woods because I'm pretty sure when the New have went over there, like they've been one of the acts to do getting it over with the City Crew, except for that random thing where they, they faced Mizer um, Morrison, where I wasn't expecting the Saudi Arabia Crew to be chatting hey, "Hey ho ho" as much as they did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's a case of like they figured, out they're back, uh, from if Woods lost, then like we don't have that many King Face King of the Rings, like. Uh, I know this is the first face King of ring since Edge, and I think even before Edge, like in terms of like since it became an actual like pay per view version and it was televised the King of the Ring, I think I can only think of four, including Wood's face, King of the Rings like him, Edge, Ken Shamrock, and Bret Hart. Uh, and even Shamrock turned heel by the end of '98. Um, yeah,
1: uh, Shamrock wasn't face, Shamrock was mental.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't say that to his face, but uh. So like I think obviously letting him have that because I don't think they're going to put the title on him. So I think as long as he has this, I think he'll be happy. And he did the whole thing. The Sir, he coronated uh, he coronated Kofi as Sir Kofi. Uh, but I think it's something he can you know run with and make entertaining more than most people. But I could see why Balor would be a good king as well because the word is he was going to take he's going to take over the like, the Drew role. Over on, also I imagine he and Big Evil cross paths, and I think if he started turning Balor heel and have him beat Woods to get to being a king, he can bring that up in an eventual Big E feud. You also mention I think this only makes Woods with, with only the third ever black king of the ring after the aforementioned King Booker and of course our Lord and Savior King Mabel. <laughs>
1: um, so moving on to the women's championship match. Becky Lynch wins. They did the the ever-popular and never-maligned never title swap where the Raw champion swaps with the SmackDown champion. Um, apparently, a fight broke out backstage between Charlotte and Becky, and this is because of what happened during the segment. Apparently, Flair was meant to try to be playing cat and mouse with the title, and Lynch was meant to get her hands on it before she pulled it back. A timing error between the pair led to the title dropping to the ground but for whatever reason, obviously the title wasn't meant to go to the ground. None of Lynch, DeVille or Flair were happy with what unfolded, eh, but they moved things along knowing that Sasha had to make her way to the ring. Eh, PWI Insider reported backstage Lynch and Flair are said to have got into a heated row, although the altercation didn't become physical. Eh, WWE officials, however, were concerned. Apparently, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair's friendship has been strained for some time. People close to the situation saying Flair didn't appreciate being called plastic during a promo a couple of years ago by Becky, obviously referencing any plastic surgery that um, Charlotte Flair may or may not have. Uh, Vince McMahon wasn't happy. Charlotte left Gorilla without talking to him. Flair then headed to Orlando, uh, to an uh, AEW dynamite teaming to see her <laughs> fiance, uh Andrade Brian Alvarez has reported that uh, she was re- escorted from the building uh, by security, I don't know if that was at Dynamite or from uh, I think the Smackdown
0: from, I think I had think I the word to say was from Smackdown
1: well, Alright there's a thing here that, that not makes me take um, side with Flair but makes me Makes me see more things in Flair's side. Why she was annoyed by it, and um, she said Flair wanted to drop the title to Bianca on the Monday Night Raw. She believed the finish killed what could have been a big win for Bel Air. Um, also, Flair had had some issue with the booking uh, that just you know it meant she wasn't going to go over clean, but she wasn't going to lose the title either. So she wasn't happy with either or. You know what I mean? She would either wanted to go over or lose the title. You know. She was, so she wasn't being difficult, but it was a case of she wanted just a clear, she didn't want screwy finishes.
0: Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I heard a story that, well, if you want to go back and see that thing, if you haven't watched it already, I think they've edited it very heavily. Like, they're not made sure that it's not going to be seen on YouTube. They don't want that footage to be seen. It's going to be one of the moments that people talk about, but you can't really find because also they didn't like yeah. the idea of their title belt kind on their belts being thrown on the ground. Uh, Apparently Sonia Deville's reaction to the belt being thrown down with Jamie because even she didn't know it was going to happen, and because uh, they wanted to show up Becky holding up the belts because I oh, remember when Becky held both belts for a month, uh, and yeah, so a lot of people are speculating like, why Charlotte intentionally trying to annoy the management so she can get her, her contract. I don't think that's the case. I think uh, she is accustomed to being picked a certain way, and you know she's maybe developed a bit of an attitude. You know, again, we don't really know the full story, but it is, like some people have been uh, concerned about her attitude for a wee while, yeah, and Vince was a bit more concerned about he was a bit more fronted start-left girl position before he could get a chance to talk to her about what happened more than you know what happened between her and Becky. So yeah. it's a it's a weird situation. Like ah, like I remember when that triple threat for Saudi Arabia was announced, I uh, as assumed and Becky and and Becky and Bianca got drafted. I thought, well, Sasha's got to win then. And then they had that match for the raw title with Charlotte and Bianca. And fair enough, if Charlotte wanted to drop the belt, I think as a detail, I don't think it's been as wildly mentioned when people were reporting the story. Uh, so if Bianca when Bianca didn't win, I could see the writing on the wall, like Becky's winning. They're going to do that whole swap thing, because uh, like, you know, it's got to the point with the draft where the only belts can really they can really switch over and now are the two mid card belts. Because even if you thought the world ones over, you still have to change the color of the universal belt, and the yes. other ones have got the the name of the brands on them. So then you have to do stupid segments like this. And Charlotte said a bit looking weak by like handing the belt over. And the second I can see that, like, also, I would be unhappy if like oh you've held this belt for you now you're switching over and you're starting a whole thing. You're just going to hand it over like oh, that's stupid. Uh, yeah. Also, they've announced that Becky and Bianca are going to fight for the Raw women's title on Raw this week coming, uh, this Monday, which I think is, it's good that they can continue their but for a different title. Uh, a lot of people are interested to know now like a lot of people don't like the whole brand v brand thing for the viruses, but I think it's created intrigue given that it's meant to be champ v champ and now the two champions d- now on different brands are Charlotte v and Becky. So are they going to still have that match but have some tension involved? Or I'd be interested to see if maybe they just take hey, Bianca the raw belt so that Becky and Charlotte didn't have to be in the same ring with each other and then shortly after Becky wins the raw belt back I did see somebody edit like the Severity 97 graphic between Sean and Brett but have like Charlotte and uh, Charlotte as Sean <laughs> and Brett as, uh, as Becky
1: uh, I'm reading just it was an update, it says a uh... Sources state the way Vince wanted it to go down was Lynch and Flair exchange titles, but Becky grabs both titles real quick and eventually throws the other title at Flair. Charlotte is said to have disliked this idea and Becky expressed concerns about whether she would actually do it to the writer involved in the segment and Sonya Deville, who was also involved in the segment. Um, of course, when the title dropped Got dropped and things didn't go according to plan Lynch apparently let her have it, in brackets, when the pair were backstage in Gorilla, but Flair swore it was an accident, the source says a precious few believe that Lynch is now the Raw champion, Flair is now the champion of Smackdown, the next time they could meet, if they are still champs is Survivor Series so, moving on from, you know the, the drama in wrestling is always boring, it's what happens behind the scenes it's always a <laughs> <and
0: laughing too. laughs> I know, I mean a lot of people are, go on about also wanting the thing with WWE and to be like WCW and W A F back in the day and everything and now this feels more like back in the 90s than the whole ratings thing cause like. Um, I'm bored with demos and, and ratings at this stage but like, then they're seeing this because like, you don't get these kind of stories now, like, people will not want to look weak and get in trouble and having heat with other wrestlers and everything and like, be interested in what happens when these two guys who have heat or women who have heat are going to be in a match together on pay-per-view? Because like, because we don't get like, it. It's happened all the time in the 90s, which just becomes the norm when you look back on it, but getting to see it now makes you even more intrigued.
1: Yeah. Um, so... We'll move on to our second pay per view of the week, Bound for Glory. Uh, nine matches on the card, uh, spoiler alerts ahead. Uh, Jordan Gracie defeats Chelsea Green, Crazy Steve, Falaba, John Skylar, and Madison Raine uh, in a tournament final intergender six way match for the inaugural Impact Digital Media mm-hmm. Championship. The Inspiration defeated Decay for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Trey Miguel defeats El Fantasmo and Steve Macklin. In a tournament final for the vacated Impact X Division Championship, Heath and Rhino defeated Violent by Design in a tag match. Uh, Moose won the Collier Short Battle Royal, last eliminating Matt Cardona, turning on W. Morrissey in the process. Uh, the Good Brothers defended their Impact Tag Team Championships against Finjuice and the Bullet Club. Mickey James defeats Diana Parazzo for the Impact Knockout Championship. Josh Alexander defeated Christian. Uh, and his option C World Championship match for the Impact World Championship. Only, and I think, Scott, this is my favourite ending to a pay per view, <laughs> bar maybe WrestleMania 31. Moose in front of Josh Alexander's child and wife spears Josh Alexander, cashes in his call your shot opportunity, and pins Josh Alexander for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. I WrestleMania thirty one aside, I don't think I have a favorite pay per view ending. I thought it was sensational.
0: <laughs> oh, I was shocked to hear what see some of the reactions to that ending because I loved it, but some people weren't a fan of it. They said, "Oh, you should have just had the feel good ending." Josh went celebrating, or "Oh, it felt like overkill to have that and didn't have, need to happen here." Or just like they wanted to get one more swerve and like, no, it's supposed to paint this like a bastard because heels are supposed to be bastards, like. This is the end of your biggest show of the year, which is maybe the end of one year for you, and you set up the next year, and over the last year, Moose has wanted to be the Impact World Champion. He now he's the champion, and he took it from Josh Alexander, the most naturally built guy Impact has had in a long time. And now, Josh, the chase, you're a lot more invested in the chase now that ha- this happened, and now he's got to fight his way back and eventually win the title back from Moose. And Miss gets to have that reign as World Champion that he's been overdue for a while. A, a long time and you know again as you mentioned he pins him in front of his child like who does that? Utter bath of well, that
1: to uh, I I remember saying to you as we watched it like imagine imagine it gives his son the championship because he said he was going to bring the title home and then Moose cashes in and takes the title from his son I mean he basically done that the son was holding the title only for the referee to have to go over And t- I wanted Moose to like take the title off him and push his child to the floor I wanted him to go I wanted that to be hilarious <laughs> oh. oh and then the fact that when um the child is hugging Josh Alexander. Moose stands over the top of him. Oh, my. What an asshole! And then, have you seen the promo, Moose, got on impact this week? I have, talking, yeah. talking about it doesn't matter how elite you are. It doesn't matter if you're a tribal chief, you're the man, you're a king or a queen. There's no one better in wrestling, and there's no... Other world champion in wrestling better than me, and who's Mrs. first feud going to be against Scott?
0: I read that they crowned a number of contender for a uh, turning point at the team, but I don't know if you want to reveal that.
1: Oh, is it? Sorry, I'm, I was going off. Uh, I've I haven't seen this, we won't, we won't do spoilers. Uh, I'm just going off of who he was scrapping with backstage. Uh, it's big money, Matt Cardona. <laughs> the GCW icon, uh, Matt Cardona.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, once in a while, but they current one contender for Turning Point. It's not Josh Alexander, so I think they're going to build to that. But on the second eight seasons, he did fight uh, in the main event against Minoru Suzuki, which uh, I can't wait to see that when that comes out, because, you know, talk about big men slapping meat and all that. <laughs> uh, I remember, I, I was talking about Ben for Glory the other day with a friend of mine who's a big Impact fan. He said, but Matt Cardona, Quite ironically, given what Matt's into, when he looks like a an old WAF Hasbro figure come to life, given how built he's got over the last year or so, and I like really, if you said that to him, he'd probably take it as the biggest compliment in the world. Aye, I
1: think so. Um, what were some of your other high? We'll go highlights and lowlights. Lowlight for me um, was the Digital Media Championship. It's the first time you're crowning this champion. It's a six-way match. Um, there's some really, you know, good wrestlers in there. It was on the pre-show, and it got less than six minutes. Mm. It, if you give a minute to each competitor, it still it would have been longer. It got less than six minutes, and um, mm. the Hall of Fame ceremony. This is why you have the Hall of Fame the night before, before the pay-per-view, because Awesome Kong is a very deserving TNA Hall of Famer. But Gail Kim does not have a future as an after dinner speaker because, my God, that converse that, that story went on forever. She, it was worse than Hillbilly Jim.
0: <laughs> if you listen closely, she's still talking.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> honestly think they, I think they had Awesome Kong's music before she would finished talking. I think it was just, "Gunny, hurry up!"
0: <laughs> I don't, they had an hour. Uh, and yet they waited just under, just past the half hour mark to start this Hall of Fame. But uh, when the video packages were shown before, and we're probably going to get shown on the pay per view anyway, so mm-hmm. like it's not like you didn't have the time. And I uh, felt bad for those kind of involved. You know, Awesome Kong was was kind of shook, kept it kind of short and concise with her speech. Uh,
1: she had to think, after Gail Kim's.
0: I know. I don't think she was joking when she said when she came out and said uh, Gail stole everything I was going to say because I think she did. She talked that fucking long. For me, for me, a low light was probably the Good Brothers winning, retaining the titles because I'm not a fan of theirs. And I think it also speaks to how thrown together the triple threat match was because they had a really good feud going into victory road last month against uh, Wally Mack and Rich Swann, uh which ended with Rich Swan and Millie Mack losing. Instead of carrying that over, they're just like, oh, we will take this Bullet Club vengeance feud we've been doing for the last month or so and we'll just slot the tag champs into it. Uh, like and they they beat that official on like the go home impact. It just but we like they set up everything else with so much planning and then forgot the last second. Oh fuck we've got one more title on our roster uh, and just threw this together and also the fact that the good brothers did fuck all in the match. Like you had uh, Gallows come in to have a squared off with a uh, and then you had the finish that they were involved in. It was like a regular finjis bullet club match where just the good brothers they could pop and go, Hiya, we're here as well.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I wasn't I I wasn't a fan of that match. I was a fan of um, the former iconics, now known as the Inspiration, uh, winning the Impact Knockout Tag Team Championships. Um, you hear a lot of people complain when certain wrestlers show up somewhere else after a life in WWE, and it's they're doing the same gimmick. The problem, the, sorry, the, the the reason it's not a problem with the now inspiration is that no one wanted the iconics to break up. Mm. No one wanted Billy Kay and a resume off a of TV. We all wanted them to do well. And the fact that they've picked up right where they left off and the fact that they're going to have more creative freedom, I think is a good thing. And um I like the fact that Impact have got got them in. Uh, ahead of the likes of um, AEW, because I think if they were in AEW, they'd probably just be more more people for Britt Baker's entourage.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause I think before uh, Jamie Hayter came in, uh, Britt Baker was teasing somebody coming and watch back and A lot of people thought that it was going to be the Iconics, but also that didn't have been the case. Uh, I get why they opened the show with this because they had that live performance of their new theme uh, being played to them, played to ring and. They bought the trend there, because you look back on the history of wrestling, people who get live performances tend not to win, unless you're, like, The Undertaker at Mania 19 or something like that. Mm. Uh, and uh, it was a bit ropey, I'll say, in parts. Maybe, you can put that down, maybe a lack of character sometimes, just teams they, when they get to get people face each other for the first time, it doesn't work out the way you hoped it would. And really, it wasn't the iconics you can blame for it being, like, a bit iffy in parts, it was weirdly Havoc, who is one of the more experienced members of the the match, because like, there was one point where she was met at a ledger, I think, and I think Cassie Lee was met at the way, and uh, having nearly tripped over her. And uh, it, it happened once, or twi- after one or two botches, I got to the point, I'm like, Jesus, Jess, you're having a bad night, aren't you?
1: Aye, she was, um, She wasn't uh, it wasn't her best match, we'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, I was worried you were going to take my highlight of uh, other than also the ending to the World Title match, because I was going to say the triple threat for the X Division title, which I actually yeah, think, no, no. Which I think probably would have been a better opener, because uh, you had ELP, Steve Macklin, and uh, Trey. Uh, Trey with the black and gold thing, and he said this whole Spider-Man aesthetic with his gear recently. I think the black and gold may be because I think there's rumours of a black and gold suit for Tom Holland Spider-Man in the upcoming uh, uh, No Way Home film. So I think it ties into that. And I like that both guys got their chance of staying, because they got ELP, being as much a dick as he usually is in Japan where he did the thing where there's this big high-flying spot and back break. Like, he went to the outside and did a cartwheel before delivering a back uh, he's like, I think his whole thing is, like, I'm very talented, I just don't give a shit. Uh, it's Steve Macklin who's currently undefeated and remain undefeated because he didn't technically get pinned. And uh, I think they're using that to set up a thing between him and Trey for the title because he feels robbed for not being the one that got pinned in the match. So, you know, I think they're going to I think it's weird. You'd never think, you know, one of the guys from the Forgotten Sons would have had such a promising career after leaving WWE. But Macklin's just hit the ground running since he went to Impact.
1: Yeah, and um, it is one of the things I like about Impact, it has allowed the likes of Steve Macklin, uh, Matt, Rein- Matt-, Matt Reinhold, is it Raywald? Uh, Raywald, Ray sorry, the former in English, to like hit the ground running and show a bit of creativity. Um, there's an update on the AEW Impact Wrestling Partnership. Apparently, it ended after the Bound for Glory pay-per-view. Um, people were speculating what that could mean. You know, the Good Brothers are aligned with uh, Kenny Omega, but I think, you know, since Adam Cole has showed up, it's been a sort of foursome between the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, and um, Kenny Omega as the super elite. Uh, the Good Brothers haven't been seen as much. And uh, Christian Cage, AW signed. He lost the world championship, so that's unfortunately maybe the last we're going to see of Christian and Impact for a while, unless a new, you know, a new agreement can be reached. But apparently, that's the the partnership up. Um, what are your thoughts on the partnership, and who do you think benefited more from this? I think uh, it's hard to
0: think because. Uh I think you know Impact did benefit a lot from us. I don't know who it would benefit anymore, but I think all of you at times it was hard to see what impact was getting out of it, but it allowed them to tell kind of stories with uh, some of the guys trying to step up and take the belt back and then you got to have Christian come in and take one of the belts from Kane, which helped get a guy from AW who has more connection to impact come in, you know, somebody that the fans know respect and also helped further an aid a big AEW feud that was going on at the time. Uh but I don't really have an issue with the everything coming to an end for now because I feel like, you know, once an Impact homegrown guy got the belt back, which they did at Ben for there was very few places for the relationship to really go from there because the whole story was an AW guy coming in trying to try and take the belt and then now an Impact trying to get it back and now they've got it back. Uh, I think going forward it'll probably just be one of those cases of, oh, kind of like what they've got with New Japan, like, oh, you're so-and-so, he doesn't drop from here, but he's going to fight this guy who he doesn't get a chance to face otherwise. Here's a big dream match for you a match for a dynamite or our episode of rampage to get people excited or here yeah, at the next impact tape and so and so from aw is going to pop up for a little bit you kind know, of like what they are doing like both companies are doing right now with uh with, with new japan with like like suzuki coming into both companies like kind of that which yeah. you know I'm, I'm okay with uh like if you can find a story for a guy and one of the other companies that's cool but for now i'm fine with just being a the odd surprise and like to keep people guessing you never know who's going to show up
1: I think AEW benefited um, from basically having free access to Impact's talent roster. Um, I think, you know, you, you look at Ethan Page, I think at times people in AEW, Chris Jericho, I'm looking at you, talked down the Impact thing. You know, I'm saying, why would I want to go to a sound stage in Orlando in front of 500 people? Maybe because it's a partnership and one of your best friends and guys who gave you a break in the business, Don Callis, is, I don't know, running that company. Um, There was a whole Sammy Guevara thing that apparently was an incident, and it wasn't an incident. But when you look at it, Kenny Omega, um, for hardcore wrestling fans, you know, he was PW... PWI's number one wrestler and rightfully so he was the champion in three promotions Impact Wrestling benefited from having him in the main event of you know X amount of pay-per-views they got Christian Cage eh, back for you know what was an extended loan period of two or three months and yeah they, they I think they did benefit from it um,
0: yeah I think like it actually really helped impact when you look back at the last year or so because you know, even when the world title wasn't around, they got to do with kind of like what Debbie should have done more of when Brock Lesnar wasn't around as world champion where they told other stories or they built up contenders in the meantime. And like when Christian came in, you got guys like Brian Myers or Ace Austin getting a chance to wrestle with a veteran. Or like in the meantime, when uh, Omega wasn't there, you got Moose like, starting to further go up the card and build up frustration of why he hadn't yet won the title. And now he's the champion again, where he was so willing to take that shoot shot in front of a man's son, no less, unless we forget uh, to win the title. And also in the meantime, the X-Division title got more of a spotlight with Josh Alexander consistently defending it and making it so important to the point where he's like, I've done all I can. Now I don't want to be world champion. And in the aftermath of this relationship, you've got a new, homegrown main eventer. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Um we'll move on to our third and final pay-per-view event. Not really a pay-per-view, but an old pay-per-view name brought to TV. uh, NXT Halloween Havoc. Um, We saw three title changes, a return, uh, and possibly a new star being made. Um, So Toxic Attraction, Gigi Gigi Dolan and JC Jane defeated Eosha Ryan, Zoe Starks and Indy Hartwell and her pal, I'm not pronouncing <laughs> that name, um, and a scareway to hell triple threat ladder match for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. Uh, Joe Gacy defeated uh, Malik Blade by pinfall. Roderick Strong defeated Odyssey Jones. Uh, Mandy Rose defeats Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship in a Chucky's Choice Trick or Street Fight match. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Dakota Kai making her return to NXT to cause Raquel Gonzalez the title uh, Imperium won the NXT Tag Team Championships for the second time, defeating MSK in a lumberjack Lantern Tag Team match and Tommaso Ciampa, the only champion to retain his title, defeated Braun Breaker by pinfall in a straight up singles match. Uh, apparently Braun Breaker looked like a star uh, in the match, even though he was defeated. And um, a lot to get to there I'll, I'll I'll lump both women's title matches together mm-hmm. um, nice to see Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction nice to see a stable winning all the gold and having something to brag about
0: yeah I have seen I think I've seen up to the main event I haven't seen that yet but I do also know that Breaker didn't uh, win the title even though I think, he, you know, I think a lot of people are saying that's the one title that should have changed hands even though it didn't uh, but like since like, really the even before 2.0 really started, a lot of the focus on the Wind's Vision has been around Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction, so I think it makes sense that now they've got all the gold and they're the ones that everybody's going after. I haven't really felt much of an urge to watch NXT 2.0 since the first episode. Like I watched that to see what happened for the wedding and everything, but I haven't really felt the need to watch it. But I really I checked, tuned in to see Halloween Havoc, and I think it's the best episode they've done of NXT Probably even since before the rebrand, because I think you could see that things weren't quite the same in NXT even before they started the whole 2.0 thing. Uh, it was nice to get a bunch of, you know, gimmick matches, some pay-per-view quality gimmick matches uh, on a paper on free TV. The ladder match, you know that you got that Eos Shirai spot that everybody's been sharing on social media. It looked even scarier when you watch it on TV and everything. Uh, the finish as well, you had EO climbing the, uh, Indy climbing the ladder and just and just. Uh, you no, know, Gigi Doan kicks her off with a like, very scarlet, long live the king, which he just boots her off the, off the ladder. Uh, the Odyssey Jones thing, as you say, just both uh, Malcolm Bivins and Wade Barrett took some really unnecessary shots at, uh, uh, at Odyssey Jones's weight because they were they, they threw out an open challenge for the diamond. Do you want to fight the Quiverillers, Ivy Nile or Roderick Strong? And when they said. When they thought someone would challenge Roderick Strong. They thought, oh, I'll be another cruiserweight. And then out comes Odyssey Jones. He goes, Man, you know what I'm 205. I mean, I'll do disrespect. And then on commentary. <laughs> and then on commentary. Uh, like, that was funny. But then uh, Wade Barrett's one was more harsh than funny. He's like, I, I, I assume that Odyssey Jones has been 205 since he was about eight years old. <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ. Um, well, it's seen an increase in viewership. Uh, 746,000 viewers uh, 0.18 in the key demos, I don't know what that means uh, Oh, speaking of which um, AW Dynamite on their special, was it Saturday Dynamite the same night as Bound for Glory was yeah, beaten I- was beaten in all demos and in viewers by a repeat of Smackdown right.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't uh, see Tony Khan shouting from the roof anymore
0: I think apparently i think boom for glory actually went back like pushed the start time back in or so because of of dynamite and uh i think it actually ended up the view ended like after midnight in the u.s so because i they wanted everybody to be able to watch both shows if they wanted to impact really need to stop oh so, adjusting because they've got a show on the same day maybe just don't book on the same day as another show because you booked hard to kill the same day as the third night of bloody wrestle kingdom just do better with your your schedule. And who's in charge of your bloody calendar, a <laughs> minute? <I'm> <it. laughs> and I think obviously, given the name of Halloween Havoc and the potential for like big title changes, I think it's obviously you'd hope that there would be a change because if there wasn't. Despite how they stacked the card, they uh, they would have probably been very disappointed. Uh, a little wrestle votes went on the defensive recently because he said that tonight would be the start of the Braun Baker kind of era and the winding down of the champion era. I think he meant that as a case of, like, even though he wasn't going to win, they were starting the, you know, a eventually winning. And a lot of people were giving that counting kind of shit, saying, Oh, you said he was going to win. And they be like, they went back and said, I didn't say he was going to win. I said this was the start of him becoming the guy in XT
1: 2.0. Yeah, and I think that is what's going to happen. You know, he basically was taken to his limit. Champa pulled out all the stops to win against someone who is built as a rookie. Um,
0: and I think it's a good thing that he looked as good as he did because uh, like, you'd worry a like this that a lot of people would come in and say, oh, he's too green, he got exposed here. But thankfully, he's not like a Goldberg where he goes in long matches and you see he's kind of weak. So he's still being made to look strong despite being so new. And I was talking to a friend of mine who doesn't watch as much TV anymore, but he has heard a lot about Braun Breaker and he was asking me about it. And I was begging up Braun Breaker because I, I love Braun Breaker and we're both talking about how the best comparison we can probably make to how they're probably going to we'll have his ascent in 82 point it was probably close the closest to uh brock lesnar back in 02 that we've had since then yeah. in terms of this guy like ad- adapting to wrestling so quickly and everything and i think that's the, probably the best comparison because i think that we've been looking for the next Brock Lesnar for a long time
1: yeah yeah absolutely um just on AEW, we're just going to talk about Eric Bischoff. Um, he's back in the news again uh, after a recent spat with Tony Khan made headlines. Um, he said on his podcast of 83 Weeks that CM Punk's booking has been indelicious to date. Uh, apparently Bischoff enjoyed Punk's debut, but he doesn't think much of the follow-up or the short programs Punk's had with Matt Sydal and Bobby Fish. And... Um, Bischoff says he's not personally friends with Punk and has never really had a conversation with him, but he's well aware of the equity and value of that character and that equity has been spurned by Cannes' mishandling of the Comeback King. Uh, Bischoff told fans that using Punk as a means to go head-to-head with WWE on Fridays between Rampage and SmackDown hasn't worked. He pointed to the numbers as proof and said, burning up resources to walk away with less than a million viewers isn't smart and he's apparently a uh, blasted again blasted can and dave Meltzer for trump trumpeting individual demographic scores instead of looking at general ratings or growth um this is not an argument i don't think tony can's going to win I, I don't think anyone is saying that uh, a aw tv is bad but i think what we're saying is one Punk booking hasn't been great, which it hasn't, and it is true that, you know, can and Dave Meltzer don't talk about total ratings, they talk about individual demographic scores, they don't see, oh, by the way, that's an improvement on two weeks ago, or look where we are now, it's just a case of, look how well we did, <laughs> and it's... um yeah, look B- Bischoff is just he's been doing this far too long. He's far too smart for both of them, I think. It's uh it's an argument you're never gonna win.
0: Yeah, and like like Tony Khan's actually appeared on eighty three weeks once or twice, so Also, when he says this, uh, he's not really trying to have a go at Tony Khan. But having listened to his podcast for quite a while, I know he's a avid dis he has an avid dislike of Dave Meltzer because of the stuff that Dave Meltzer reported back in the the height of like WCW and I do think some people are being harsh whenever he comes out and makes these like comments on the ratings and everything and now he's like oh, come and fair, if you killed WCW all this, you gave shit away on 3TV blah blah, blah. Like, well, He yeah. didn't kill yeah. WCW, he didn't kill WCW a lot of other things did but I think given he is now in the process of looking back on his time as head of WCW and everything that went on there and the ratings and everything, I think he is in a position to comment on that because I think a lot has changed though and the way that TV ratings go but as far as Punk goes I think so far AEW is riding the wave of the appeal of we've not seen wrestling seven years so just letting them have matches uh, yeah. I know obviously Team Taz aren't a lot of people's highlight of the show they aren't mine but I think they missed an opportunity to transition from the Powerhouse Halls match to eventual match maybe on Baby against uh, Ricky Starks that would really be a, a big thing for Ricky Starks to be in the ring with, with CM Punk but they didn't seem interested in doing that and yeah, I think he's mixing up with other indie guys like Bobby and They did hype up with the fact that he and Matt Sydell had a history in the early 2000s back in the Indies. Because I think people forget how long Matt he has been around. Because uh, for a long time, he just looked like a child until he eventually grew <laughs> facial hair in the last decade. <laughs> but I think the, the whole rumours like, from that leaked card that he's going to fight Wardlow. I believe that's then going to transition into him versus versus MJF, and that's going to be more story because that's going to be a very much a promo built story between those two. Although having said that, I don't actually think the match between him and Wardlow has really had any set-up and I'm pretty sure next week is is full gear. So maybe that match with him and Wardlow isn't happening, which would be weird to then to say, "Oh, we're having here's our latest pay per view, and uh, Punk's not on it." Because you think that's been a company that still relies on people to buy pay per views. You'd put Punk on the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I'm just going to run through some of the, the stories uh, quickly. Uh, WWE hiring shorter refs to make wrestlers look taller. Um, okay. Uh, tag teams that were broken up during the draft found out via social media. I think that is always the way they do it. WWE don't like to to have draft picks getting out there. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez has joined AEW's Spanish commentary desk, um, Jimmy Wang Yang has rejoined WWE as a producer, the legend with the same birthday as me has brought party <laughs> bus back to WWE, uh, WWE Hall of Famer and current AEW commentator, Jim Ross is apparently uh, being diagnosed with skin cancer, we wish him all the best, uh, and... On the WWE live tour of the UK, which is the next two weeks, I believe, uh, some brilliant matches announced, including Walter versus Cesaro and Champa, Braun Breaker and Sami Zayn for the NXT Championship. Um, some great matches in there. But... Yeah, yeah, but,
0: yeah but like I say, but fuck uh, that tour because it's not coming to Scotland. It's all in, it's an all-England seemingly tour, so fuck them for getting the AKM matches in. Yes, you and I have been into our first share of WWE house shows, and we've had to sit through some shites. And <laughs> England England get that, get fucking Walter Cesaro.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, Tensai versus Michael McGillicuddy. Not a highlight from uh, from my many WWE shows.
0: Yeah, um, fucking, fucking Sin Cara and Zack Ryder for the Social Outcasts.
1: No, no, it was it was a uh, Darren Young. Oh. and Zack Ryder against the Social Outcasts.
0: Oh, I take it back. It was a Matt classic. <laughs>
1: Uh, Ring of Honour have apparently released all, are releasing all of their talent at the end of the year and then going to apparently re strategize and rebuild what they want a uh, Ring of Honour to be apparently uh, they, they put out a statement saying their, their main concern was keeping talent safe uh, during the pandemic uh, and it looks like going forward Ring of Honour aren't going to have um, contracted wrestlers <laughs> Uh, It's going to be people on a deal basis. Uh, A bit sad to see this. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying that WWE hoarding talent to blame. I don't think WWE hoarding talent can take all the blame for a company maybe going out of business. I think the fact that, one, there's a global pandemic. Two, and this is not putting blame at AEW's door, Uh, AEW started and AEW had the money to go out and get the best talent, some of who were in Ring of Honour. Impact's been going from strength to strength. And again, there has been a global pandemic. So two companies with unlimited funds, one company going from strength to strength and a global pandemic. It looks like it's taken its toll on Ring of Honour
0: yeah and also they, they were struggling before the pandemic i think when they lost the elite and everything and that had played its part in it and you know a lot of people have been crying immediately oh it's the r.i.p ring of honor you know and like they're not dead Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're taking a break and everything and and they're gonna say come back in april and they said that they want to like make it like an indie show like that used to be like paper appearance and everything which Maybe that'll be easier and guys can maybe sign with other places. Uh, all right, so everybody will be released to the end of contract in December, but it said if some people's contract go beyond that, they're going to keep getting paid until around about March time. So, like, no. And uh, we're seeing a landscape where the biggest company in the world is just letting people go due to budget cuts when they're making ha- money hand over fist. You see a company like Ring of Honor who I don't know what they're doing like, money-wise, but I don't think they're most like, high-profile in terms of like, financial gain. Uh, they're still managing to pay people, and you got to think about—you know—it's a shame for a lot of people involved there. Uh, they just crowned their first proper like, Ring of Honor women's champion this year, and then you got to think what's going to happen with those belts. Uh, I like think they're building a Jonathan Gresham winning the world title potentially at this year's final battle. But what happens if he wins the title? All people think, or like, what happens if he wins the title? He's going to become the like Ring of Honor's Ezekiel Jackson, like win the belt in the final show. But I don't think be I think I think they just carry the belts over to whenever they come back. Uh, and they said that Vitalant like, are allowed to start, you know, looking at other bookings or like same potentially to other places almost immediately if they don't want to come back to Ring of Honor. And uh, people like Dragon Lee, you know, uh, people like Bandito, who's the current world champion, have started taking already indie bookings for like GCW and places like that. But you know, I think it'll be interesting to see like the start of the, like, the first few months of the year where if there are guys who choose like not to go back to Ring of Honor. Once they're not out of contract, seeing them show up other places. Jonathan Gresham, I mentioned, is there, and he's uh, the husband of Jordan Grace. So I'd like to mm-hmm. see him maybe pop up in a and somewhere like an Impact, or cause I think there were some fake tweets going around that a bunch of the guys on currently yeah, have been to AEW, but I don't think it's the case because I, I don't think Ring of I don't think AEW take as many people as there have been reported. Uh, I think they'd maybe take one or two, depending on what they wanted. What, what they like, how they felt they could fit in, or if those guys actually wanted to go. Uh, well, I don't mean, think I, I don't like a company appreciates diversity as much as AEW would take a chance on signing the bloody Briscoes.
1: Well, funny you should mention that. Um, I think a lot of people have got a wish list of who they'd like to see in the company they work for. Uh, FTR tweeted the Briscoes, mm. uh, and New Impact World Champion Moose just tweeted out J Lethal. Uh, And of course, January is Royal Rumble time. We could have a few surprise entrants uh, in both the men's and the women's Royal Rumble. I'm just going to read the statement in full here. Uh, I've got it in front of me now. It said, through the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe. And despite not producing any live events for over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully contracted. We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and are planning a pivotal uh, sorry, a pivot for Ring of Honour with a new mission and strategy, read the official statement from the company. Uh, this year will culminate with Final Battle in December and we'll be taking the first quarter of 2022 to work internally to reimagine Ring of Honour. Ring of Honour has had the most dedicated fans in the industry and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualise what Ring of Honour is. Uh, Ring of Honor went on to announce that it hopes to return by April 2022 for the Supercard of Honor during WrestleMania season as it looks to create a product more geared towards wrestling fans um, mm. PW Insider has since reported the decision was made about one week ago uh, Ring of Honor subsidiary, a subsidiary of media conglomerate Sinclair, Sinclair broadcasting groups but by the look of it Ring of Honor's current situation was not one that was able to be bailed out by its deep-pocketed parent company. And um, rumours are that the video library might be going up for sale as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there were complaining reports about that, that, that there was going to the highest bidder. But you know I think because you know, people like Meltzer, there sources of the companies that would probably be interested in that I haven't said anything, doesn't mean that it's not happening. But you no, know, I don't think it's as, you know, like as immediately like, going up for sale as people it's being reported as. Because, you know, you have a lot of former Ring of Honor people in there that could, you know, get the library for because they've already started doing stuff on the network like, oh, here's all the stuff from Evolve. Here's so-and-so in Evolve, like Keith Lee and Drew Manta. When they were there, here's this person when they were in progress or people like that. Uh, But also, I think AEW would want that because you can see the kind of genesis of, like, the Elite starting to become their own thing in the beginnings of All In. Because I think, actually, Ring of Honor owned the name All In or they own like the show or something like that because they were heavily involved in it. So getting to see All In in the beginnings of AEW as part of that because people have been spelling when AEW are eventually going to do their own streaming service which would be good for international viewers because of the whole ITV thing not coming together that well. Uh, so having all of AEW stuff that they've done so far plus you know this big back catalogue of all of many of their guys because they could take a lot of ring of our talent anyway like CM Punk, Brian Danielson people like that, I think that would be quite interesting uh, You know, so you know, it will be interesting to see where that goes, like, it's also weird that this came so last minute because apparently they were saying people as recently as last month to contracts and now they come back and oh yeah, you're free to go somewhere else now, like, yeah but i just seen this thing with you, yeah but we're going to close down for a while like, why didn't you tell me last month? Well we didn't know last month <laughs>
1: I know it's, it's a weird one. However, um, we'll move on to another story. Uh, an appearance recently on the Perched on the Top Rope podcast, uh, Ultimate Dragon revealed WWE wanted to unmask him when he arrived in WWE because uh, and I and I quote, "We already have Rey Mysterio Apparently, oh, we've already got one masked guy. We don't need another."
0: <laughs> I don't know. And and it's so ironic as well because they've been trying to get the next Rey Mysterio ever since.
1: Yeah. Um, Dragon said, Rey Mysterio was there, of course. Uh, the way WWE looked at it, they were both similar characters, both mask guys, smaller cruiserweights, but I didn't understand at the time, he said. That's true. I didn't realise until afterwards. So, they asked me if I would take my mask off and he, uh, that was apparently one of the reasons he left. Mm. Uh, Dragon says he feels no resentment towards Mysterio and even jokes. Rey Mysterio was really popular, so as a masked man, there wasn't really a spot for me. Of course, I'm a promoter as well, and I understand a lot more now. He says, I'm a promoter, and if I was given the choice between Rey Mysterio and Ultimo Dragon, I'd pick Rey Mysterio every every day of the week. Fair
0: enough, because... Uh... I think there were plans for him and, him and Ray Mysterio to have a feud over the Cruiserweight title in 2003. I think he was going to win the title off of Ray, but again, the didn't really see as much of the appeal of a normal Dragon, so I think that eventually went to TGD, but you watch it back, like, Ray's on his, Ray's on commentary for Dragon's WWE debut, so it's obviously clear that they were building to that. Uh, and yeah, it was weird that they were like, oh, we can't have more than one masked guy. It's like when, uh, the way WE try to want to change like the Road Warriors to the Legion of doom because like oh we've got too many Warriors, we've got the ultimate warrior, we've got you know, we've got the uh like Kerry von eric was also called the warrior so Vince isn't like too many people with the same name or same look apparently. Uh and it's a shame because, you know, like he didn't get out of the run he wanted, you know. He's only really remembering to be for that time he fell on his arse at Madison Square Garden.
1: <laughs> well, I mean in fairness, he got to compete at Madison Square Garden and at WrestleMania, so even if he fell in his ass, he did it while accomplishing two dreams mm-hmm. right, I'm just looking at the full gear card for AEW uh, some new matches announced this past week uh, the pay-per-view itself it's been moved about about four times it's now on Saturday, November 13th 2021 at the Target Centre in Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, Six matches announced so far: Darby Allen versus MGF, uh, the Lucha Brothers versus FTR uh, for the E.W. World Tag Team Championships, the Inner Circle: uh, Jake Hager, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Santana Ortiz versus Men of the Year: Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, and three members of American Top Team in a ten-man Minneapolis uh, street fight. Uh, Dr. Breaker, Dr. Britt Bakers, easy for me to say, DMD defending the Women's Championship against Tay Conte. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World, Tag Team Champions, sorry, the AEW World Championship. Uh, and either John Moxley or Orange Cassidy versus Brian Danielson uh, in the AEW Championship Eliminator Tournament Final when I receive a future AEW Championship match. And... Um, just looking at that uh, possible tournament, I think you know we saw the leak card that it was going to be Moxley and Danielson. I wouldn't be against Moxley winning it, and you know because it was Kenny Omega winning the first AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament that led to him screwing Moxley out of the AEW Championship. I'd like to maybe see it go full full circle. Maybe you know, I know AEW don't believe in short title reigns, but even just to pop a rating. Have Moxley win the title, then lose it back to Kenny Omega. And then you can go ahead and do your Brian Danielson versus uh, Kenny Omega feud somewhere down the line. Uh, saying that, Hangman Adam Page, you've been built for over two years. Many feel this could be his moment, but many feel Kenny Omega still has a lot of stories to tell as the world champion. What's your thoughts on it?
0: Uh, I think I should correct myself earlier on. I said it was next week. It's actually in two weeks, uh, full gear So we could still add that Punk Wardlow match. So uh, it'd still be a bit last minute. Uh, in terms of the Eliminator, yeah, Moxley probably is going to win that. Uh, even if you had Brian get caught by like Adam Cole or The Elite to keep that story going, uh, you know, further build to Brian uh, when the title. Cause I think Brian win the match and potentially losing the Hangman, who I think definitely should win against Omega. No, I think it's you know got a strike now while it's still hot. You know. When Hangman came back, you could see the crowd were still into the possibility of him winning the title. So you don't want to stretch it out too far. You don't want to, you know, risk, you know, diluting or, you know, like, sucking out any potential enthusiasm. You want to get the biggest pot possible for when he eventually wins the the title. Uh, and so obviously like Brian losing to Hangman, I don't think it would do much for Brian coming out being so new. So keeping Brian away from the title, give give Hangman a successful defense against Moxley. Uh, to make sure Hangman actually gets a decent length reign after building to him becoming a champion, since really before, since since really AEW was established, they've been setting that up. So, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, Hangman should win Moxley Bray. I think when they announced that the brackets for the tournament, we think, ah, well, that match they got leaked is definitely happening between those two. And uh, a match that was on that leaked uh, card that. Uh, uh, I'm was on that list. You know, list of matches from Tony Khan that hasn't been announced yet. But I would actually be looking forward to it. if it does end up getting into the a match between Christian and Adam Cole, which I'd really be excited to see. You know, it, it looks solid. A card. I couldn't give a shit about this Minneapolis street fight. You know, it's a regular street fight. No, really but it's in Minneapolis. <laughs> so
1: yeah, I really Chris Jericho. I think he. Um... His AEW Championship and Les Champion run is really good, but I think, um, along with Painmaker, I think he really overestimates um, face and a circle Jericho character. Mm-hmm. I I really don't care about a bunch of former MMA guys. I don't mind if someone did MMA before WWE. I don't want that to be their gimmick. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Um Kenny Omega, I, it's such a perfect time for him to lose the title, but at the same time, you're looking, you know, you've got that John Moxley possibility, you've got Brian Danielson possibility, Orange Cassidy still in the tournament, and, you know, did did take Kenny to the limit. You know, he had to pin pack to retain the title uh, in the triple threat match, so I, I wouldn't be against seeing Orange Cassidy going up against him again. Uh, you know, there's just so many stories to tell, but at the same time, I think it it might be time for the the what you call it? I was about to say the Adam Cole, the Adam Page uh, Championship story to come to an end. You know, they fought last year at the pay per view. Omega got the win. Be good to see them go up again in the main event, and for this time. Uh, Adam Page gets
0: the win. Yeah, I think if he, like I said, have Moxley win the uh, Eliminator because like, the Elite get involved. Eli Hangman, he have uh, feeds with other people outside away from Kenny and he can, you know, fight with like some Moxley or some other people on the card and then he can maybe go back to the Omega-Brian thing because like, you don't want to have either man lose because like, when they did that Time man, draw was a smart thing is Kenny's the champion but Brian's so new. So, then if you take the belt away from Kerry and give those guys a rematch, say a revolution, Brian can then win and it won't hurt anybody. And then Brian set up as a future uh, challenger for Hangman, and Hangman gets at least a chance to run with the belt because I'm hopeful he's going to buck the trend of, uh, oh, the belt is so good, but the championship reign is crap.
1: Yeah, I'm hopeful of that as well. And um, our last story. Of the week, Scott, uh, and it kind of ties into full gear just because it is the first major show after this has happened. Um, Bray Wyatt's non compete as of October 29th is up. He's a free agent, he's free to go where he wants. Um, could we see him show up at AEW?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think all of will want to see him in AEW because that's the place all of you will go when they leave AEW, but I'd you know, maybe it's the impact, the impact bias on my part, but i like to see him there. I think the pre-take nature of it kind of goes with what his creative style and how he likes to, you know, present his character and everything. And, you know, I'm looking forward to him eventually doing interviews because I want to see his side of a lot of the things that fans have complained about and the storylines that he's been booked in. Uh, I've seen him, like, photos of him at a Universal Studios lot, films and stuff, so maybe he's going to do some outside wrestling stuff first. Uh, but you know if he is going to show up in AEW I don't know if it would be at full gear because we look at the card that's been put together you know, it's a solid card in terms of just a pure wrestling card like we didn't even mention but they really talk about some of the matches like FTR and which should be phenomenal but I just don't see where you put you fit in spooky you know Windham Rotunda uh, into that mix so I think holding off I think I'm maybe going somewhere else uh, like Impact with Südenberg because I think they made a major play for him, but so far, apparently, no, nothing's really been agreed to.
1: I have, um, well, I see I have, we have a cousin, David Collins, who is going to Survivor Series in New York. He's, um, David's only recently got into WWE. He's um, a massive Stone Cold Steve Austin fan because he's been watching all the old WrestleManias. He's up to, he's watched every WrestleMania up to WrestleMania 34 and he says his favourite guys of the modern era are CM Punk, <laughs> CM Punk, Daniel Bryan and um, and Bray Wyatt and I was like I, I, I don't want to ruin it for you mate but um, <laughs> they're, not there, they're not there anymore. <laughs> I did say to him, in my opinion, I think Daniel Bryan is on a sort of wrestling gap here. I think he will go back to WWE just because he's he's sort of ingrained there because of his family connections to the Bellas and John Laurinaitis. Uh, so I, I think he will go back there. But Punk is, is gone for good. He's hoping Bray Wyatt comes back at Survivor Series because he's got tickets. <laughs> to see Survivor Series in the Barclays Center, and he's hoping Bray Wyatt makes his return. Then yeah
0: you you're like you're like you with the hoping, but uh, I wouldn't put my money on it.
1: <laughs> so sorry, uh, just just to confirm, are you saying Bray Wyatt to Impact and not AEW or WWE? Yeah. Okay, I think. You know what? I'll I'll wish for good things for David. I'll say I'll say he goes back to WWE. I hope he goes back to WWE.
0: Fair uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. what to say really to that because like nobody, <laughs> none of us really know. We're just guessing. He's not even said anything about where what he's doing because uh, he's just his non-compete just came up. But uh, I don't know. I think. I trying to remember what he put in his Twitter. He changed his Twitter bio, something like that. Hold on a minute. I'm gonna try and find this. Yeah, here it is. I think it's maybe an idea that maybe he's not gonna try and like poke fun at or take shots at Derby now that he's gone because he put he changed his Twitter bio. Revenge. It's just a confession of pain. Oh well, there you go. Right.
1: Well, sorry, Dave. He's not going to WWE. Sorry. Sorry, Scotch ruined your dreams. Anyway.
0: I'm not trying to ruin anybody's dreams here. I'm just saying I don't
1: see it. What did Dave ever do to you? We took you the pictures. We... In 2013? Yeah, well, he lives in America now. He's not going to take you now. Anyway, moving on.
0: Yeah, yeah but I'm still going to be grateful for something that happened in 2013.
1: So selfish. There's no wonder he didn't like you. Anyway, moving on. He said that. Uh, that about wraps up uh, this week's edition of Central. Uh, thank you very much, Scott McLeod, for joining me and putting a kibosh on David uh <laughs> David Collins dreams.
0: It's all right, in the last few weeks I've made a habit of disappointing people called David, so what's the, <laughs> what's the damaging one there?
1: Yeah, well uh, well there you go. That's lovely. Um <laughs> Don't forget, you can catch up on the massive back catalogue of interviews, news, previews and reviews uh, on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet uh, on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android, uh, and of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, new episodes of Book It and Quiz Showdown there just now. Um, What was the feature show this past week?
0: Uh, I believe it was the Mount Rushmore of Wrestling Managers.
1: Mount Rushmore of Wrestling Managers, so... Obviously, a few great debates there. And, of course, you've got the massive back catalogue of Central. We do this every week. So if you want to hear our reactions to stories that broke two months ago, three months ago, five months ago, fire away. Um, We'll see you next week. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you are gonna have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network